Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Joining me today on the show is a man who's a two-time Olympic swimmer himself. He's now been a mainstay of the Canadian coaching team for quite some time. I'm excited to have him on for a chat, Mr. Greg Arkus. Greg, how are you, mate? Very well. Nice, nice to see you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very, very excited to have that talk with you today. Mate, thank you very much. And I mean, I know you're in, you're on a bit of a break at the moment. Can you tell, just for the listeners, because we've got very different backgrounds where we're sitting right now. So I'm in the middle of Rockdale in Sydney. It's busy. It's cold. There's people just bumping into me outside. It's not a pleasant space. You look like you could be in the most tranquil place on earth right now. Where, where are you? I am uh, near from Quebec in a place called uh, Mont-Tremblant. Uh, that's a favorite place of a lot of tourists when they come for skiing in the winter. Uh, summer is a bit less busy and more quiet. Uh, I don't have a lot of days of break. Uh, even now, I'm still working, still uh, trying to uh, finishing to hire a new coach and to work on the new season and everything. Lots of stuff to do, but I had to take those five, six days uh, away from the city. Well, and you know, the other difference between sort of how you and I would speak is you said you're, you're off to the chalet or what, is that what you call it? The chalet? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I would say we're going to a holiday home. We're going to the holiday house. See, for the listeners out there, do you see how it sounds so much better when Greg says, I'm just going to the chalet for five days. <laughs> I'm going to the holiday home. Just doesn't sound <laughs> quite as good. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy you're at a chalet, mate, and you look like you're enjoying yourself. Um, Obviously, you needed a break. Uh, we know uh, three or four weeks ago, world champs were in Fukuoka. For yourself, for the team, um, how did you find the performance over there and, and how was your week? I think uh, every team we do now, like uh, you realise that there is no easy world championship. It's a long grind. It's a long week. Every day counts. Uh, eight days plus a pre-camp before, 10 days and the, all the travelling and taking care of every, because you are not, I'm not coaching just the two athletes I had qualified on the team and mm. was coaching some other athletes and I was in charge of the, the woman relay as well. So uh, lots of uh, responsibilities. So you are busy on age from early morning to very early, late, 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 late night, I would say. But overall, uh, 
It's been a few weeks now that they were done. Uh, I think that it was a pretty good competition for the Canadian team. Uh, we are missing a few athletes on the team, but even though I think that uh, the people, the swimmers were there, uh, show a lot of uh, improvement, a lot of character in the race, and a lot of uh, eager to race to, the, to that in that at that level, uh, maybe in one year or in Doha this year. So uh, it was very very interesting, very very interesting. Now I always I ask Shannon Rollison from the Shannon Rollison podcast this a lot because a lot of our podcast um, is about going back in time with Shannon to moments and spaces where he was coaching and big moments in his life but um in his coaching career but i always sort of say oh you know when you're in uh, 2004 athens you know did you get to see the race of the century did you and he's like i was coaching i was in the warm-up pool what do you what do you think i'm just sitting around having a holiday did you get to see any other than your own athletes did you get to see any of the big racing through the world champs did did any of the races sort of catch your eye i tried to not miss Three or four events usually, which are the 100 free. I like I, that's the sprint event I love, the 50 yeah. free as well. I had to watch the 1500 meters, which was, uh, I think, one of the best races of that world, the 1500 mm. meters men. Mm. Um, the 400 I am woman, I had to watch too. Uh, I was uh, watching with Brent, the coach of uh, summer. It was a great race. Uh, I think it was pretty much. It because most of the time you are on the other side getting ready for uh, yeah. <laughs> for the next race or for the next days and you find yourself watching it on those screens on the warm-up pool. Yeah, well, yeah, and that, that's why I asked that question because until, you know, naive of me, I guess, you know, never being at the, the sort of levels. But until, you know, I asked Shannon and Shannon sort of looked at me like, what do you think I'm doing just sitting around? So, you know, I, I guess you do, you know, miss some of those bigger moments. You mentioned the, um, the distance events. How exciting is it? I know you're a bit more of a, a sprint man and you enjoy the 50s and the 100s, but, you know, you have an appreciation there for that competitiveness. I think even the 800 was closed. The 400 between Sam Short and Hafnawi was closed. And then you add in the 1500 um, with Bobby Fink and... I mean, it was, it's exciting, right? For 15, who would have thought? Normally you go on two commercial breaks on TV and people start <laughs> telling stories about their grandma, but it was close racing. I think the 1500 in the last year, I mean, swimming improved drastically in every event, but the 1500, if you look at like the full like map of it now, the top 10, top eight swimmer in the world, like it's quite fast. It's become very, 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 very competitive. And like when you look at that race at the World Championship where those two guys were, like this, ahead of the world record. And we know Sun Young finished like a, a crazy swimmer in the last yeah. hundred of his race, but still, they were still very, very close. But when I watch it, my thought I remember uh, when I was watching this race is putting a swimmer or myself into their race and trying to imagine the enjoyment of the fight, you know? And, yeah. and I talked to Rafa after, and I'm sure that... Uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, Bobby Fink as well enjoyed that uh, that uh, fight, that yeah. fight they had to go through. I think that's the most exciting of of those of racing, of swimming. Of course, you want to win, but as a coach or a spectator, just being outside of it and watching and trying to imagine how those guys could feel by just fighting stroke for stroke for probably six, seven, eight hundred meters. Wow! Until the last fifteen, you could you could not even guess we're gonna who was gonna win this race. I think it was uh, I 
like I said, the best race with the 53 of McAvoy, I think, mm. of, uh, of, of this uh, competition. Well, vastly different too in terms of the competition, right? So you, you say McAvoy, but he dominated the 50 like we probably haven't seen someone dominate a 50 for a while. I, I think he won by, you know, half a second, 0.5 or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I do feel for Hafnewi because the poor guy, he busted. You say he's in a fight. He was in like three fights because every race he was in, there was someone, you know, and, and he just, I thought he was really impressive through the meet. Um, I, I think he went under the radar in terms of, um, exposure and how much people spoke about, um, you know, different stars coming out of that world champs. But he was super impressive for me. But, yeah, just back to Cam, I mean, you're, you're obviously, as I said, a, a guy who enjoys his speed and sprinting. How impressed were you by that? And do you see that mark being pushed a little bit further now? Like, obviously, Dressel, we don't know what he's doing and, and how he's going to come back and, and what that preparation looks like. But 21-0, obviously 20-point. Is is the is the mark, but do you see that being pushed in the next twelve months? I think it's going to be pushed. Uh, the faster they swim at that speed, the more they learn. I think, and don't forget that it's been only a year for him. That is really uh, turn turn that print back on. Mm. Um, the competitive aspect of it, uh, I think a lot of athletes, if he can do in a year, if he can do it in a year, a lot of other sprinters can probably improve as well in a year. Um, you know, uh, a race is never won until you touch, you know, the pad first. So, so you cannot really, he's a favorite, I think, for next year. Like everyone is going to say that, uh, he's, he's, I think he's able to go a little bit faster. I chat a little bit with him, uh, uh, back in the competition. And I remember telling him that he got a bit bigger. Uh, I think that one of his issues before, and he had, he always had speed, that guy. Yeah. But swimming in swimming in one field was lots of wave big. It was a bit wavy for him, but he didn't have the same stability than he has when swimming like by himself or, or at Australian uh, trials, which mm. the field was a bit different. Uh, now I feel that he has uh, the sprinter maturity that uh, he needs he needs to have to dominate like he dominate now. And uh, I'm very curious to see how many coaches, how many sprint coaches are going to try to get more to know about the way he worked and follow that path to improve a little bit. But everyone has his way in swimming. So Dressel could swim a lot and was able to go as fast as uh, McAvoy and McAvoy swim way less and he's swimming fast. So you just have to be a believer and, uh, and work uh, the way you should. Yeah, I mean, 100% right. There's many ways to skin a cat, as they say. And, um, you know, Dressel, obviously, you know, his volume uh, was a lot higher, as you said, and, and he was able to go faster. But, yeah, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of people talking about, um, you know, how Cam was training. I, I'm interested, and I think he was just on Brett Hawke's podcast and, and having a chat about his training and um, and then how he thinks of it. And he's a pretty switched-on type of guy, Cam, as well. He's, he's very... Um, smart and so i think he'd have a big hand in his training and how he feels it it should be going as well but um i wonder greg and i just think maybe the next 12 months people might just sit and wait and see and if the next 12 months go really well more people might dive into okay all right now let's talk now, now let's talk <laughs> it might be at the moment just all right that was impressive i'm interested i might take notes but let's just see um because as with anything people are a bit hesitant to change or, or different stuff right so I think there's a curiosity at the moment, but um, we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely soon find out. What about some of the women's 
sprinting, obviously Sarah Showstrom, um, you know, Sarah what a phenomenal Schoen, effort she, she put together. Sarah Showstrom is uh, the diva of sprint, uh, a legend of sprint. I mean, uh, and I don't think people realize how much that athlete swam in the past when she was, when she was younger and uh, she, she put the work on and maybe she swam a little bit less today. I don't, I'm not really aware of what she's doing, but to be able to swim a back-to-back event like she did at Worlds where, and she beat, beat the world record after, uh, you got to have a little bit of capacity training in your, <laughs> in your background, that's for sure. And she swam as well the relay and she did really, really well there. I think, I think she's just exceptional, exceptional stroke, exceptional athlete, always focused, always very professional. Uh, no, there is a lot of stuff just watching her getting prepped for a race. It's pretty interesting. But uh, I, the one I really, really, really surprised me is so this European Dutch girl, um, and I'm scared to misspell her last name, but her first name is Merit, uh, and she's doing, she's swimming the children I am as well, and she's swimming 103, and uh, she's finished, she finished third, I think, on the 103, and I love watch her stroke. You know, I, I, not just watching the first one in the, in the race. Sometimes I'm trying to pick mm. the stroke that I like and I watch her in warm up as well. She has a beautiful stroke and she, her story is very interesting because she was a very good athlete, promising athlete in Netherlands when she was probably 15, 16, then disappeared a little bit because pressure, because different story. You know, the, the, the progression of an athlete is not like this. You yes. Know? We know <laughs> that we're going to go down up and yeah. this and this and, for her, I think it's something like this, and uh, seeing her succeed now a little bit, and I think she'll be uh, very dangerous. Uh, I think that's how we started talking again the other day, Greg. Was I put that? I, I think I put that up on Instagram with the progression isn't exactly what people yeah. think it is, and then that's how we're yeah. like, hey, let's get on the podcast and have a chat. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Um, it's you know you still might be moving in an upwards direction, but there's ups and downs even with our coaching careers, even with life. Right? We're not constantly like we just bought a house. Now I bought another house. Now I bought another house. Now look at me. I'm a. I've got twenty million. Now I've got four. It just doesn't work that way. Like there's ups, there's and, downs. You lose everything. You get everything. You know. I don't want to forget about your star, uh, Molly Callaghan. I mean, yeah. she's uh, wow. I mean, she has a way to swim. Uh, um, um, I was surprised and discovered her in Budapest last year uh, at World Championship, where already she was uh, hammering it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Emma McKeon. Uh, I think she will bounce back from this. Uh, yeah. It's very hard to be constant and maintain that level of swimming. She'll be just ready for... Uh, I hope she'll be ready for uh, Olympics in in one year and uh, hopefully give uh, a great, great, great competition to... Molly and Merit and that field and the, the other three women. I mean, the, the woman, I mean, we have Summer McIntosh as well, who is amazing athlete. And I was really, really proud to be, to witness how she went through a day one who didn't go like she expect, expect to go. And I know it wasn't that easy for her to swallow that, but was able in a week to mm. balance that and change it totally to overcome from that first, first first day so a lot of uh, great stuff like uh, it's very hard to pick one but i would say that if i have to to pick one athlete i'm going to stay canadian and uh, stay uh, focused on the summer making yeah. uh, week because it was just unbelievable what she's doing at this age just crazy man yeah especially um I, I was super impressed just from afar with her um 
sort of maturity and temperament, you know, obviously the, the 400 didn't go the way she would have liked. And, um, you know, she sort of owned that in an interview after it and sort of just said, you know, it's disappointing, but it is what it is. And I'll, I'll, you know, move forward from this. And then she did, she had a, a really great end of the week. Um, she put together some super fast swimming. So I was super impressed by that. I mean, when I was her age, I couldn't even, you know, clean my room, let alone, you know, have that sort of maturity in an interview after, you know, being, I was such a bad loser as a, as a, as a, you know, teenager, if I'd play any sport and we lost, you know, I'd be kicking chairs. And so for her to get out of that with that sort of level of maturity was really, really impressive. Um, before we move back on to you, mate, and, and your swimming journey, selfishly from an Australian point of view, I want to ask you, you mentioned Molly O'Callaghan, Emma McKeon. We know Shana Jack in her relays was going 51 points. Um, and Meg Harris is there. We've, we've got just a plethora, and not to scare the rest of the world, but we've got about another 10 swimmers underneath that are, that are going, you know, 53 high and 54 low, and they're, and they're developing. So, you know, you know their trajectory. Is that something that gets talked about? Because I, I just think... Again, selfishly, just to pump our own Australian tyres up in that event specifically, the hundred free and women's sprinting, there just seems to be, I mean, a, a, a lineup of girls coming through. Is that something? Do, do you just focus on what you can control because you can't control that? I mean, how do you look at sort of female sprinting in Australia? When I look at female sprinting improvement in Australia or other events where you have someone or a group of swimmers improving better than you know the feet behind um to me it's just inspiring it's just inspiring and uh it makes you think a little bit and make you believe that uh, if they can do it like we can do it mm. so uh and question yourself you know uh, if, you, if they get there there is some stuff that they do that we probably don't do the same way or probably don't do really right so we are trying to just trying to to observe them and to exchange with the coaches when we can and without changing our philosophy, try to incorporate what we could from their idea. I think that in Australia, I mean, Emma opened the gate and what was the sprinter before? I mean, she has a sitter, um, tall, uh, Campbell, Kate Campbell. Yeah. Kate Campbell as well was very, very fast. And I think I heard she's coming back. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to see what she's going to do because to me, she... She should have win that 103 in, uh, I think it was in, in, uh, 2016, if I'm not wrong, or 2020. So I think it was 16, 16 when, uh, Penny, Penny win that race. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. She was the favorite, but I think that uh, you guys have always had great culture, great culture of it. And I, having one athlete succeed, bring another one and open another door and open another door and make your coaches community more aware about stuff that you should do and more stuff that you they believe into it and all the girls are following and i think it's not just uh four girls swimming it's uh, eight it's 10 12 you yeah. have 12 amazing uh, sprinter coming up and if you look at junior level as well it's it's impressive uh it's just opened the gates for coaches to believe more and to get to have more inspiration from it like to me it's just about that. I'm not there to copy and to try to do what they do. Yeah. I mean, if they can do it, we can do it. And uh, like in every every aspect of like I, we spoke about McAvoy, and before McAvoy, it was Dressel who was untouchable, and before this, he was another one. And mm. last year, it was Popovici and, uh, who was untouchable, and the year before, it was uh, Kyle Chimers, and and then and then like, it's 
it's going to change. It's going to change and people are going to adapt, you know, and like even the, the suit, remember the suit, the suit, yeah. we had the suit, oh, it's crazy fast, and this yeah. and that. And now we understand that core training is so important to compensate, to do this. And now we are, oh, we flushed almost all the world record we had in, we had in the suit. Yeah. And uh, we are all like criticizing it a few years ago. And now, look, everyone is faster, almost. So, Yeah, there's a couple it. that went, right? So Pellegrini's, um, that 200 record just went. Yeah, um, and yeah. then the 400 IM. Although Michael Phelps didn't wear a suit, did he? No, he didn't wear. I don't think he had the full suit for the 400, for the 400 IM, but still, like the LZR, I remember mm. that's what he was wearing. But still, it's not the same technology. But yeah, I mean, same coach though. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, mate. That was impressive. Yeah, I could. I'd, I don't want to, you know, go into it because my listeners have heard me talk about Leon Marchand and that 400 IM and how impressive it was. Um, mate, let's get to you. How did swimming start for you? I mentioned at the top of it, you're a two-time Olympic swimmer yourself. You went to um, 2000 Sydney Olympics in 2004 as well in Athens. How did swimming and that journey start for you? Oh, it's, uh, I'm going to try to make it short. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was born in Ivory Coast. Uh, in Ivory Coast, my mother is French. My dad is from Africa. From was from Africa because he passed away last year. But uh, we, I grew up in Ivory Coast. My family, lots of sports. We're doing a lot of tennis, uh, track and field, basketball, uh, and we was we used to spend a lot of time to the sea, surfing, having fun. And uh, one day, I just remember like a very very good friend of my family were just racing for fun and stopped and looked at me and said, "You should be swimming." And I loved that guy so much that I believed, <laughs> really yeah. believed what he said. I said, "Maybe he's right. Maybe I should try this." And little by little, I started in Ivory Coast. Of course, the level there wasn't. It's not uh, as high as it was in France or another country, but very quickly I started to grab a few medals when I was 12, uh, 11, 12, 13 years old. And then my parents uh, get divorced and I had to move with my mom in France, live in Paris. And I arrived in Paris looking for a club, very proud of my Ivory Coast heritage. Mm -hmm. And I look at my coach, I say, I'm the Ivory Coast champion. Uh, I can swim. Uh, where, is the, where is my group? So the coach looked at me and said, okay, you should uh, swim first and I'm going to look at you and we decide where we want to go. <laughs> yeah. So I swim. After 400 meters, I get out, look at me and say, we have to restart everything from the beginning. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I had those 11, 10 years old little girl like running around me. So 400, 300. But I love swimming since, I mean, since 10, 9 years old. And I didn't want to give up. So I start my grind with the those little girls and went up and up and up and on the way I discover like uh, I don't know where it's coming from I just had uh, a passion to watch observe different athletes especially the best one how they were doing it uh, how, how why, why they were so strong in the turn why they were so strong in the start why like I, I start to to acknowledge the importance of technique and efficiency as well and Growing up, I went to school, studied sports science as well. And so those stuff, those stuff combined, I wasn't very good for all my coaches because I was criticizing and asking a lot of <laughs> questions. And, we should do this, we should do that, and yeah. this and that. And I always loved it. And I knew I wasn't going to be a great, great swimmer. I mean, uh, I was okay swimmer. Uh, good enough on the Ivory Coast to qualify for the Olympics and participate. And I'm very grateful of this experience. And, those experience and I earned every grab, every like little tiny step of it. Like 
really, really work hard to get where I went. But uh, I always knew I wanted to coach. And on that journey, when I started international level, I enjoy watching, talking, socialize with everyone around swimming, asking the most question I could because I knew it was a great, amazing opportunity to learn from uh, from all those people. So uh, knowing that I went in 2000, 2000 was a big, big surprise for me in swimming. I realized how much how athletic was swimming to compare with before. Yeah. Uh, this is, I think, where the change start to operate, like in, in the athleticity aspect of it. Then uh, 2004, I knew already that I was going to coach a year after. I was, I was. I organized to finish in 2005. The world were were in Montreal. I was living there since 2002. Yeah. So, so I knew right after world I was going to start to coach. Uh, I was excited about it. And when I start to coach, I start in just a small, uh, good team on the south shore of Montreal called Saint Lambert, the Blue Machine. Uh, I had a lot of fun there and a lot of uh, experiments. I experienced a lot of ideas that I had. To have an opportunity four years after to work in the, one of the biggest clubs we have in Canada, in Montreal, which is Camo Natation. Uh, we are, I'm the head coach right now and yeah. I've been 15 years now. I'm working for that, uh, for that, that organization and moving there. It's a bigger club. You don't have to create that much of a culture. The culture of eye of excellence was there just to perpetuate and try to add more good athletes, high-level athletes in the, in that club. So that's how it went for me, like uh, step by step. Uh, like uh, I knew I was I wanted to go to coach the high-performance athlete, but I knew as well that it was going to be a very long grind and then I had to be very patient. And knowing that, uh, that since the youngest age, I took every little experience, every little talk, every little warm-up, every little race, every little thing I could pick to learn and analyze, like, really helped me out to to be the coach I am today. Mate, you've just skipped over about five of my questions and answered all, answered them all, but that's okay. We can, we can, we can see. That's it's fine. all right. I, I've, learned, I've learned on the run, and I can, I've already started <laughs> thinking of other questions. Um, I, I just want to circle back with your swimming um, in 2000 and, and just sort of, I guess, have a look at 2000 Olympics, Sydney. For you, if you look back to there, what are some of the moments that kind of stand out to you in terms of your experience there? Uh, I will never forget, um, well, it's not the swimming part, but I will never forget the opening ceremony in Sydney. I think it was on the, one of the beautifulest one ever. Uh, your country was so proud to receive the Olympic. Uh, I've never been treated such in such a way as an athlete. It was. I'm not going to lie to you. When we come back from, when I came back from Sydney, I spent two, three months, and I felt really, really bad because coming back on Earth was very hard. Like yeah. we spent two months in Australia, one month and a half in Adelaide for a training camp, and then two, three weeks for the the Olympics. Uh, being the First swimmer of the Ivory Coast participating to uh, the Olympic in swimming was an honor for me. Swimming for my country was an honor for me. I even talk about it right now, and it's, it's emotion is coming to me, man. Like it's, uh, yeah. it's. Uh, I'm very, very proud of it, and I know my dad was too. For him, it was very, very important. Uh, and uh, I remember that opening ceremony was beautiful. The party with my teammates, 
we were a small team, 21 athletes. So everyone knew each other. Everyone was cheering for each other. Yeah. Everyone was caring for each other. I mean, spending, we spent two months together. So I think anywhere, most of them are still my good friends. Um, more than that, I remember going getting into the pool, trying to have fun for that race. I was swimming in 103. And uh, I remember really got stressed and anxious arriving at the calling room. Because big calling room, and you can you can see all the star coming up, getting ready and stuff. Yeah. And I'm sitting down, and I'm watching the first hit in front of me, and and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna swim in front in front of twenty one thousand people. And I got nervous, like suddenly, like the stress got into me. Yeah. Start to I start to think about positive stuff, and then I look at the screen, and I see Eric Musombani swim the Eric the Hill, you know, swim mm-hmm. that race. And I say, look at this guy. He doesn't care. I mean, whatever level of uh, is there to represent this country is going to go, I don't know what time on the 100, but everyone was cheering for him and he was yeah. so proud. And he re- honestly, Eric distressed me. He <laughs> cut me, cut me <laughs> down. And I remember uh, getting out of the, the calling room, walking on deck and just having a smile and enjoy the moment. And I didn't even think about what I was doing in the race. I think I was just happy to be there and happy to swim. That's I've it. tried so hard to get Eric on the podcast. I just can't find him. Everyone always say, oh, I think I know where he is. And then I just, I can never nail him down to get, even get to send him a message because I, I really want to get him on. Um, He's up to get. Yes, he would be. Um, what about 2004? And as I said, you know, I want to get into your coaching at the moment. And, and this is, you know, we're, we're heading back in time. I'm not calling you old mate, but we're, we're heading back in time. But I, I, you know, these are massive parts of your life and career and obviously ones that you're super proud of. So I want to make sure we, we do them justice and you get the flowers. I, I don't want to, well. for, I don't want to, for, I don't want to forget 2000 because, because in 2000, I'm in Canada because I'm going to the Olympics in 2000 and I met the mother of my kids, which was a, a water polo player from the Canadian team at the end of the Olympics. Ah, oh, that's we right. We fell in love. We fell in love. And two years after, I was living in Canada just to be with her. And, uh, but we are not together anymore today as we talked off before. Uh, yeah. But we're still good friends and we have two wonderful kids. And that really, really like, because uh, she would kill me if I mentioned Olympics <laughs> 2000 and this and oh what about me we met and we have to keep, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so yes no no yes it was uh, was uh, I think that's uh, like with all those stuff that I share with you I mean one of the great experience of 2000 uh, Olympics 2004 Olympic was a bit different uh, I knew when I touched the wall in 2000 and I wanted to restart it initially I was supposed to quit mm. I was supposed to go teach and try to coach a little bit, uh, but teach at school as a, a sports educator, a sport teacher yeah. in different schools. Uh, probably in Africa, I had the opportunity to work for the French government in Africa. But as soon as I touched the wall, I said, oh my God, it's so good. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> do that one more time. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, four years went like this. It went very, 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 very quick. In 2004 Olympics, I knew that I was getting old. I knew it was going to be almost the end. And as I said before, like, I really, like, in 2000, I was more focused about my swimming than watching and learning more and stuff. 2004 was the opposite. 2004, I was totally into more coaching, totally more, like, I went to the next level in my questioning, in my curiosity and stuff. So, you know, I polished the end of uh, the stuff I could learn in 2004 with uh, my experience there. 
I'm interested in, you know, obviously with those experiences as an athlete, you know, how much of that did you take over into your coaching and obviously now coaching more at a high performance level? So you're you're coaching athletes that are going to these meets that you, you were um, fortunate enough to go to. Was it, do you think important? Did you, did you take a little bit or did, is it kind of a little bit separate? Like what translated from you being an athlete to you being a, a coach at that level? That's a very good question. Uh, first of all, I had my, my model in France. Uh, first coach I really modeled on was Guy Boissière. He passed away in, in the 2000 uh, year. He uh, was a great coach. He used to coach Stéphane Caron, one of the best sprinters back in the 80s and 90s in France. With already, he was kind of the Bill Switnam guys, but for the French side. Yeah, uh, yeah. It wasn't too much, but it wasn't too much sell on, sold on volume, more on efficiency and, and distance per stroke. When I arrived in the Olympics, uh, at this level, when I, I start to go around and meet all those new swimmers, and it's not just Olympic 2000 to 2004, it's, it's African Games, it's, uh, it's World Cup, it's mm. uh, all different like competition that you can get into, like where you have this opportunity to exchange and watch. And I'm not going to lie to you, man, like uh, if I'm going to go simple, while you, when you watch on the champion, you realize that they all have uh, something in common, passion, dedication and discipline mm. and all those aspects are the common aspect they all have and above everything skills yeah they all have their own skills they don't have like uh, the skill they pick to someone that each of them have their own particularity uh, you you would think that you can develop all skills it's always good to touch uh, and to have a good base on every skills. I would say that uh, what I learned the most, and even now when I watch them, like uh, even back from Fukuoka, the best swimmers do what they do best at the best level. I mean, it's not... It's a, it's a, they are bad in the start, they're going to be average in the start. But if they are under amazing in the underwater stroke, if they are amazing at maintaining the stroke count in the race, if they are amazing to stroke rate somehow their way, what every athlete have his own specificity and they mm -hmm. do it at such a high level. And I think as a coach, your duty is to find their skill or to make them, help them to discover that skill and open the gate for them to be more aware about the, I would say, the, the, the gunfire they have in their hand. Like it's like, it's crazy. I mean, once you know you can be amazing at something, when you believe that you can be amazing at something, that's where something happens. Uh, I think sometimes we are trying to go in two different directions as coaches. Uh, I'm not going to say I can hit, I can hear already question or people who don't really like me come on, come on criticizing what I'm going to say, but it's really basic. And I learned that from soccer. I mean, me, a lot of sports inspire me as well. And what I learned, and it's very helpful in my job, you can work as much on you as you want on the weaker points, weaker skills of an athlete. It will be less skill. It will be uh, less skill if I, if it makes sense for you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. If you, work, if you work on strengths of an athlete, something he can be really good at, and this uh, aspect will be stronger. So yeah. I rather spend time. Let's say you have a swimmer who is bad at kicking. 
he's bad at kicking. I mean, you can work on them. You can improve. He's gonna, he probably be able, be able to go 12 times 100 kick long course on 140 one day, probably push 115, probably one, 110 if she really, yeah, really yeah. work hard on that. But how that quality is to compare with the other quality you could develop and be good at. If you can develop everything, go, go, go for it. Yeah. If you can have that summer or you have that ability as a coach, develop all the skills to the highest level, I mean, good. But I don't know any athlete who doesn't have favorite skills, lower skills. Like yeah. We just have to, you know, <laughs> yeah. we just have to, you pick it up. And if I ask you, if I ask you, your best swimmer today, is she more, much more of a puller or kicker? Is she, does she have a good recovery in freestyle? Uh, is she as flat as you want when she swims? Uh, what do you think about her ability to race? Is she a race lover? Is that a strong point, a weakest point? I mean, you know your athlete. Yeah. And based on your observation, you got to build from that. At the age group level, it's different because you can see a little bit of their quality, uh, coming up, but I think that we are responsible for uh, to see their potential, but the biggest responsibility we have is to for them to to open the gate. I mean, for them to realize that we are the toolbox. You just take the tool you need, and we're going to guide you. Yeah. And you will be the one swimmer. We're going to pull us. We are not going to pull them. Yeah. And I've made that mistake too many times, and still. It's a that's a challenge for all the coaches because you see the potential, you know. Yeah. But but most of the best athletes I had, they come with that willingness to learn, that desire to win, that desire to not accept anything. I mean, it's in them, and you probably can help them to evolve into that or to realize sometimes. But it's most of the, the time it's them. Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts, and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. The The easiest way <clears throat> to sum up kind of what you were saying before is is more bang for your buck. So you're, you're looking at what are you going to get more out of? Like, okay, as you said, you know, they, they might um, not enjoy this as much, but they really enjoy this. We might get more out of really, you know, going towards this than trying to, you know, lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink it. So it just <laughs> doesn't end up, just doesn't end we up have- working. We have a big responsibility, though. The big, I, I told you, passion, discipline, just to name those two. Uh, I'm bringing passion on deck every day. I mean, yeah. they have to be, if they are passionate, I mean, I am passionate and we share that. I want them to feel that. That's yeah. my personality. Some other coaches are more reserved, but still, they pass on some other stuff to their athletes, you know, and, and the, the, you have the responsibility as well to create that environment where they're going to be more disciplined, where you're not going to accept to go uh, to, I mean, you decide what kind of discipline you want in your group and your in your environment. When you say we go at zero and it's not 30 seconds after, it's zero. When you say dry land start at 540, it's not 542. 
you have to like to be the one responsible for that and uh, i think that's major key uh, for all those athletes because you give them the opportunity to understand that to be uh, able to perform you need discipline yeah you need discipline. i don't waste my time anymore with trying to be on the athlete and oh you should do this. i mean first time second time third time first time you don't understand i mean too bad and Uh, that's your problem. Not my, my, at my level now, I don't have that problem anymore because the senior athletes comes already with that sense of responsibility. Before that, it's way tougher because you have to check, to teach and try to yeah, them and yeah. how important is that. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you sort of um, bring up an interesting point that sparked another question for me. Um, coaching energy and, and, and coaching, you know, enthusiasm, however you want to say it, just the energy you bring to pool deck. I guess there's two questions in this one question. One, training-wise, so how, how important is the coaching energy that you're bringing to training, you know, whether it's being on time, but all those things, obviously they're stock standard now, but what energy are you bringing in terms of being up and down the pool? Are you someone who just, um, not the, not saying you, but just in general, are the coaches out there listening, someone who just grabs a cup of coffee and stands there and watches them turn over? Or, or are you bringing the energy? Are you just expecting the kids to come in? How important is that? And then the second part, how important is your energy on pool deck for a week of world champs and, and how you balance that? So you don't want to come in hyped, right? Don't come in doing star jumps. All right, team. <laughs> let's let's go but you also don't want to walk in like you're half asleep and you don't want to be there either because that carries over how important is coaching energy i know you're a guy who enjoys your sort of the art of coaching and psychology of coaching how important is it so like it's coming back to my background coming to where i'm coming from i'm coming from coming from the ivory coast like mm. there is pool there you will not believe it's not the condition that you have or we <laughs> have here today and We enjoy we enjoy so much stuff with so little things, so many little things. We just having a pool open for us was great. Having three lanes was great. Like uh, I swam on pool where you the the number on the block were, were paint at the end. Yeah. It's not like you know it's it's a totally different atmosphere. And me still today, still today, and even a lot more since I lost my dad, I realize and I I come back on those stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. Every morning when I'm up, I'm at the pool, usually at 4.45, I'm sitting down in the dark and I'm looking at the pool. And I'm so happy. Just like the basic. I'm so happy to do what I love in those conditions. I don't care if it's early. I don't care if I didn't sleep so much. I don't care if I had other problems. That's my peaceful, happy place. And I am truly happy because I realized how lucky I am to work in such great condition that I never forget. Every time I step on deck, every time, wherever pool I go, I have that in my mind. So that gives me the responsibility to enjoy my experience, to enjoy each minute of it, even the, the experience that I don't like that much, even that experience, those experience that you can go through as a head coach or as a coach in an organization. It's not easy. There is... There is uh, some stuff who happened sometimes in between behind the, the behind the door uh, mm. with your boss or yeah. with dealing, dealing with parents or dealing with the board or dealing with different athletes who are coming with a job. But I'm holding this. I'm caring. I'm taking care of that because I I know where I'm coming from and I will never forget it. And that's come to me with me 
every time. And sometimes when I feel a bit weaker, there is always one prayer, one prayer or one good friends come to me and remind me just, hey, Greg, you know what, why you are doing this. So yeah. that's, that's, that's part one. Part one, I, I really, truly love and I don't think that there is any of the athletes I had, even with those that didn't really work well, who could say otherwise. I mean, uh, there's always good music. I put always music on the, on the, on the deck, uh, trying to be as creative, that creativity aspect as well of the job is the part that I love the most. Uh, but yes, that's how I trying to yes, stay engaged and passionate. About the second part of the question, uh, getting to know from those old OG coach that we have in Canada, and there's one coming in mind to me is Dave Johnson. Dave Johnson was a head coach of the Canadian team for many years in different Olympics, and now I'm room- rooming with him in, <laughs> in the, those teams, and uh, we are changing, and, and I talk a lot about swimming as well. And, and looking at Dave, and I was telling him back in uh, Fukuoka, Dave, the first time I saw you, it was age group nationals in Winnipeg, Canada. And I was coming in with my group. I was motivated. And I look at you day five, you look at the same as day one. I look at you day eight and you look at the same as day five. Like no sweat, clean, calm, fresh all the time. What the hell is he doing? You know? <laughs> Me starting in Canada, I discovered the season who are pretty long starting in September. You have to race and be at your best at the end of July. And you arrive in July and you have no more energy. You're dead because you <laughs> gave you gave away way too much in some moment of the season. So that's how you are when you're, le- you're way younger. Obviously, today I'm 47. Uh, I'm starting to know how to pace myself a little bit more. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. My first world uh, championship experience was very exhausted. I didn't expect to be that exhausted at because I was busy until uh, Sunday last day at noon. Because I didn't have any swimmer swimming the relay at night. I wasn't involved with the woman relay at that time. So at noon Sunday, I was done. But back to back to back to back to back. Knowing that, getting into Fukuoka now, you learn how to... I'm very emotional sometimes. I'm, yeah. I, I have trouble to hide my happiness when I'm happy. So I try to control that a little bit more. And what helped me out to control it is uh, focusing on the goal we have. Uh, with my athlete especially and with this Canadian team uh, we know that world and world last year were just a step next year is a real goal and in five years will be the other goal so Olympics are always like like target point for them for some coaches to target and yeah. prepare for those events so it's hard on it's hard on, it's hard on uh, Mary Sophie, for example, who, who will always do uh, sometimes amazing time in workout, and she's expecting me to be wow, wow. But no, uh, if you yeah. want to go one fifty five, you want to go one fifty four. There's no wow. There's no wow there. Uh, just one step. So I don't want to forget to enjoy the moment, but I don't want to give away too much because it's just a step. You know, you want to enjoy it, but be focused on. The, the next objective. I don't yeah. know if it makes sense, but it's, no. it's very hard. Very, very hard. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely makes sense. I mean, even just going back to what we spoke about before in terms of the ride to success is up and down. And I mean, you know, our emotions in a week of, you know, what, you know, for you, it's world champs and Olympics. For, for us, for me and where I'm at, it might be a national age championships, but, 
you know, it's up and it's down. And so the idea of just trying to stay in the middle as much as you can, which is exhausting in itself, right? Because you're trying to catch yourself and you're trying to really, no, no, let it just keep it. So that's, that's just exhausting just in itself, trying to keep it. It is, it is. And what we don't talk enough about is that when you are away for three weeks and or three months because you are running camp and stuff and you come back and you go, uh, you still have a group to coach mm. at home. You still have swimmers who need you. There is still yeah. a swimmer who really want to talk with you. So, and the other thing, Greg, go- is sorry not to cut you off, but you, you, a lot of people also still have families that they're away from. And- that was your, that was the other point. You still yeah. have that aspect to take care of. And uh, and now I'm 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 with uh, someone who is not wasn't part of my journey earlier. She was an athlete, uh, and she wants to spend time with me. And I don't have the, so much time to give, but yeah. I, I have to give that time because if I don't give that time, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is no one to welcome you to welcome you at some point. So uh, yeah. it's a very, very tricky balance. Uh, I would say that I, I went through a very, very hard last two years. My first two years, the head coach in that team, a lot of big um, responsibility, a lot of different issues to deal with. But I would say that to survive into that, uh, you have to take care of yourself. So, mm. you know, I mean, you are the center point of it. And don't forget, and coaches, we, we are really good to take care of other people. We are not very good very good to take care of us. And uh, I would say that uh, getting to my uh, Olympic year this year, uh, I don't want to forget that my strength has to stay a strength. And if it's, it's my passion, my my energy, my creativity. If you want, I want it. I want to keep it that way. I have to be happy outside of swimming. I have to be rested as much as I need, and that's the key. I would say that I always start that quote when I um, when I uh, I exchange with different coaches. Or I have the I have the honor to present my work. Uh, I always say that the the biggest tool for the season plan that you do is the eraser. That's my quote number one. You erase all the time. It doesn't work. You have planned something. In, like in August, you can sh- be sure that in January is going to be different. Yeah, you yeah. Move, you move on different <laughs> stuff. But the planification you do for your athlete is available for you. You have to respect that. I give six to eight weeks of transition in a year to my athlete. A week where we are totally off or it's just a recovery week or it's going to be more of a fun week uh, of, of, of training. That's the same for us. I need that. I need that. And uh, for me, you need to have coaches or everyone in different high-performance environments. You need to have uh, that hobby or that passion that you have on the side to keep you grounded. For me, it's coming back to music. I'm a great fan of music and I'm collecting lots of records that keep my head out of the water sometimes. I love photography. Uh, taking pictures, uh, that's something that I can come to me see maybe six, seven years now and I haven't given up. I want to expose one day. I hope I will have that chance uh, to do this. And those are my two main, main, main patients out of uh, my kids. My kids keep me alive, you know, spending time with them, go watching them play soccer, watching them in workouts. Uh, I stay away. I stay away from all the parents and stuff in those environments are always in my corner because you know I know what it is you know so I'm staying out of it and trying to just watch them and I don't 
I don't care if they lose, if they win. What I really, what I really care about is to watch them, like deal with those issues: losing, yeah. winning, injuring, uh, be criticized by another athlete or parents or whatever. Like, look at them and try to see how they're going to to evolve. So you have, we have as coaches that responsibility. I think take care of us. We are good to take care of. The athlete, mm. giving everything for your athlete. You're going to have one day this athlete in your hand. You see the potential. You can go to the Olympics. Man, if you want to give everything, don't forget you at the beginning. Yeah. If you forget yourself, it's going, to be, it's going to be very, very hard. You look at Michael Ball. I look at Ma- Michael Ball. I call him Michel in French. Michael, Michel. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and he, he talked talk a very good French. <laughs> I'm always surprised to look how Michael Ball looks fresh on deck. Uh, he's uh, older than me, but always good energy, always smiling, always mm. positive. Because coaching is this. If you are burned out, you're going to miss little things. You're going to miss the right word, the right moment to talk with your athletes or to talk with some coaches. I mean, every little key details are important, especially at the high level. So if you are not 100% aware, 100% rest, you're going to miss some of those. And you yeah. don't want to. Mate, you hit the nail on the head uh, yet again. I feel like you're talking to me specifically when you're talking about that sort of stuff because that is 100% me. Like there's just energies going everywhere and then it's always like, oh, did you go for a walk today? Did you go to the gym today? No. Why? Because I, I had other things that were important and you always prioritize um, every other thing. Um, and, it, yeah, it is, it's something that I certainly I can um, put my hand up and say I'm working on. I think there's a lot of coaches out there that – find themselves in, in those positions. So uh, it's great advice. Um, it, it's fantastic it's a challenge. advice. I'm not saying um, it's a good advice, but I'm I'm not good at keeping that advice from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's probably why you're saying it too, you know, because you've got to be conscious of it yourself. And I always come back to that word um, consciousness and just trying to be conscious of 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 your surroundings and what you're doing and we might stray down the wrong path at times but it's about trying to catch yourself and go actually you know i have been eating really bad and going to sleep late and you know not getting these things right so i've got to try and steer myself back and you might get back on the right path and then six seven weeks down the track you know you've got seven or eight podcasts and up in the morning down the afternoon take your daughter here and then all of a sudden you're like Oh, you're back down that bad path again. So, yeah, it, it happens. Um, it happens for sure. Um, mate, I'm, I'm conscious of time today, so there's a lot of other things I wanted to talk to you about. But as, I, as I told you, no rush for me. I mean, yeah, that's we good. We good. We um, one of the things um, I guess a lot at the moment is being spoken about with sprinting training um, is more about physiology and how we're training it and what we're training it. Psychology-wise, is is swimming, sprinting, 50 metres, especially a 50, is it any different to any other sport? Does it have to be a different sort of mentality? I mean, it sort of looked from afar for a while that it sort of more was for your alpha-type athletes that, you know, if, um, to, you know a, a little bit more um, killer instinct, I guess. But then again, you know, we're watching the 1500, and as you said, it's, I, I don't necessarily think that those boys at the end didn't have a killer instinct because they were certainly throwing down. Is it, a, is it a different psychology or is it very much the same? It's just, you know, you're working with different, or is it, again, horses for courses? You know, um, I learn more and more that everything you can apply to sprint, you can apply to every other races. Uh, every notion of details, every notion of of awareness you want to develop in sprint, you can develop that in 
you have to develop that or you can develop that in every other races. Uh, for the sprint parts, I do think that we, I think in this world of swimming, we are making a little, like sometimes making a mistake because a lot of, a lot of athletes want to be sprinter and it's not everyone who can be a cheetah. Uh, the cheetah in your group, if you have 20 athletes, you probably, if you are lucky, you have to have three. You're good. Uh, sometimes just have one, you know. Because uh, sprinting, sprint comes. There is the cheetah uh, sprinter and the 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 I would say I don't want to say the rhino, but the puma uh, the puma sprinter uh, who can be sort of a sprinter, but as well uh, be a little bit more endurance, you know. Mm. Uh, and I think most of the sprinter we have come from the puma uh, animal. Not the cheetah. Uh, there is a few cheetah. Uh, I don't think that there is many. But if I have to compare the mentality of the 50 meters sprint event to uh, some other sport, I would say the 200 meters in track and field or the 100 meters, mm. where you have to be relaxed, as relaxed as you can, where you have to be aware of every little details in training you have to work on. And the most important thing is when you are prepped the right way, arriving in the mid and execute without thinking. Because if you put too many thoughts in your execution, that's not going to work. And you have to make them, make that almost automatic. So that's why I love when I hear uh, uh, McAvoy say that in the last stretch of his preparation, he did more and more sprint, he was more e uh, fast, he was... This is how you learn. Mm. This is how you learn and this is how you get this those automatic aspect of splitting getting getting to you because once you go on block a few details you have to fo be focused on but just have to go and you're going to let your body go the way you prepare your body and i think that too many times we arrive in competition and for the sprint especially we vulgarize and i think i say we because we talk about all the coaches but lots of coaches vulgarize too much the 15 years sprint and I'm I'm very thankful today to not hear that it's just allowed. No, it's not just allowed. Uh, yeah. uh, sprint is to me a sprint is swimming the fastest you can go without touching your maximum speed. If you touch your maximum speed, you lose the control. And I always that's such that's such, uh, um, that's a quote that I learned from back in the days from Pirelli the the, the tire. Uh, and I shared that quote with Ben Titley and he loved it. I think, yes, I'm sure, pretty sure he remembered that quote. Uh, without control, power is nothing. Mm. That's simple. And we see a lot of athletes swimming without power and <laughs> no control at all and just go all out. And yeah. we have to teach them how to be efficient. That's why you have the swimmer beating the best time, the 200 IM, first 50. They, be, they beat with uh, six breaths in the 50. They beat the best time with full effort in the 50. So we should use that to teach them, hey, the race you are swimming help you out to control your, your effort. And you go as fast or faster than full effort. This is where the awareness and the thinking out of, out of it should start. I think that's, I don't know if I'm answering to your question, but I think sprinting is like, it has to be automatic and be done the real way in workouts for uh, mm. you to execute. Because I don't think that Michael Andrew or McAvoy or uh, Dressel, when they get into the race, 
Let's just go, man. We just go, and uh, we're gonna focus, as I say, on like this and this. But there is not too much time to think. If you think you, you don't execute, like the other guy beside you is gonna go straight, 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 straight. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent right. I, I think um, the analogy when you were just talking about, you know, if you're going, if you hit your maximum speed, you kind of start to you know, wobble a little bit. Is it kind of, kind of made me think about like driving a car when you drive a little bit too fast, all of a sudden, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then you, then all of us, that's when, you know, cars end up in trees and all sorts of things happen. Um, so it definitely um, reminded me of that for sure. Um, how can we, do you think, get creative in ways of being a little bit faster? Is, is, there, is there things that you're thinking of? And, I mean, you could, don't have to give too much away if, you, if you've got some things behind the scenes, right. but are, are there ways that you're looking at being creative and, and innovative whilst also still staying true to, you know, your core philosophies? But as you said before, just kind of adding bits and pieces because I, I find so much of swimming at times is we do what we've always done. And then as we talked about with Cam, you know, people are starting to do things maybe a little bit differently. Still, it's not as if everyone's running to go, oh, oh what are you doing? They're still sort of looking from afar going, all right, let's let's see. Do you, do you have anything with your, you know, coaching philosophy? Are you starting to add little things? Are you seeing trends? Is there anything new that you've been researching? And because, you, you know, you've got a podcast with all the talk, you're learning from people. Um, you seem like a guy that would be, you know, constantly trying to just find those little, those little things to to help. Is there something that you've picked up that might help you? Your athletes go faster, or trends that you're seeing? I basically what you want is for them to be as fast as they can all the time. Yeah, you know. So if you have, uh, I would say, out of nine workouts, four very important workouts, you are three very important workout. You have to make sure that those three are really well executed. And you have to make sure that in those other six workouts, you develop enough stuff to help you out to be more efficient in those three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you took the example of you took the example of the car, the driving car. So I would say what is very, very key and and that's not all the swimmer who can do it. But most of them can do it sometimes. And it doesn't mean that if you cannot do it, you just cannot have succeed. But, and that's where you have to, as a coach, uh, to find a way with other athletes who cannot perform uh, uh, at some point. So, because in the season, there is athletes who are far away from their best time. I would say that most of your athletes, if you can coach them to be as fast or close to be as fast of what they do in, in competition and training, or when they have meat, we are not that important to be able to swim close from what they do in a result. And if it's not the full 200 or the full 100, maybe 25% of it, 40% of it, 60% of it, you can build your race this way. I think that that's something I was able to do okay in the last years with my athletes, like for them to be like, I would say, we say we talk about 5%. Minus five percent of their best, but yeah, I, I like the minus three percent more than the five. Uh, but uh, you can decide, and as I as I say, there is no limit. You put your limit. You're gonna decide what you want. I would say that what I learned the most in the last years is the only limit you have is the one that you are putting on, and that's the only limit we have. Like we sometimes we don't we think that they cannot work harder, but they can. 
you have to believe into it. You realize that when you think of it, it's you who are more scared than them. Mm. Uh, we have to be aware of that. The second aspect is I I decided to do uh, way more weight training in the last two years. So we have five sessions a week. I would say one dry run, really good dry run session, uh, or recovery sometimes, which comes on Thursday, but we have weight before swimming, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. Saturday, I'm doing yoga to help them to recover. And they are not all very big fan of it, but uh, it's very good to improve the stretching part and just to relax mindset. The focus is different. You finish that to relax, oops, go into, go, go into the next, uh, uh, in your in your weekend. And yeah. the 20-minute, 20 25 prep I'm doing before every workout. My swimmer know is very important. So every morning, I would say 5.40, we start. And and the work you are doing there, I cannot. I don't want to go into much in detail. What do we do there? But if you add up those twenty minutes four or five times a week, it gives you almost two hours of, give you almost a workout. You have yeah. to add up. So if you do it very seriously and you multiply that by forty weeks a year, you gotta be in shape. So being in shape, being physically prepped, I think it's one of the key aspects as well of my uh, of my program. But they are doing it. I don't. I mean, uh, <laughs> they do the job. And uh, I would say that when we start at six, some for some athletes, it's in some countries very early. But when they start at six, they're awake. They're good to go. And mm. sometimes we do amazing, pretty good stuff, pretty good fast stuff on the, in the morning. So I don't know if I really answer well to your question, but those <laughs> aspects for me are the ones who are very, very important. And don't go and add, I learned that with Bill. Be sweet, Nam. Uh, don't go away when the set is done. Don't go away when the swim is in. This is where you want them to swim with the right technique. And I think that, I think that over over everything above everything, you have to develop that culture, that sense of responsibility in swimming well, doing the, the right stuff with consistency. Just to push off, we have mm. to get away. Just to streamline, you can improve uh, ten thousand more. I compare the streamline to a sword who can be, uh, there is no limit of sharpness in this world. There is no limit of sharpness in, uh, in a streamline. You just can extend it, extend it, and extend it. And they're going to give you more uh, feeling, more, uh, more speed, more your advantage, advantage to your uh, competitor. Those little details matter. And again, you have to be able to sell that the right way because it's not everyone who's going to buy it. Yeah. But those Special one, I'm going to take it. That's for sure. I'm glad you said that. Um, in terms of getting it right, um, Shannon, uh, when I was down at the AIS a couple of weeks ago, and one of his swimmers down there who who was on an, an Australian short course team, um, he said, oh, "I had, had had her doing push ups the other morning." I said, "What for? What did, you know? She's an older athlete now. What do you got to? She was in trouble. So what's she in trouble for?" He said, "Because she dived off the side of the pool." Um, to start and we've got a new rule unless you dive properly off the blocks you hop in feet first and push because unless you're going to do it properly he said do you know how many times we let the kids just flop in off the side of the pool when they dive so they're diving incorrectly uh 2000 3000 however many times we let them just sort of flop in he said i want them diving either properly or not at all um which as you said sort of to your point of you know watching the swim downs or <clears throat> or the warm-ups and, and, and being in time with that and making sure they're still executing it right and not letting, you know, it's not just that short 35 minutes, 40 minutes in the main set. 
if outside of all of that, which is is in terms of volume and time percentage spent, is way more than that that main set. If we're allowing all those bad habits outside of that, that that's what's going to come out at the back end of your races. And and, and we are responsible. We are responsible for that. You yeah. want them to swim the best technique they can when they are fatigued, especially yeah. at the end of the workout. And and I found that a few years ago with my junior group. I asked them to give them their A+, plus, not your A+, because yeah. your A+, plus, they will not match it. They can match it. Yeah. But their best effort, their A+. Plus. If your A+, plus today is 10 stroke at the end of the workout or 12 or doing 400 water kick, I take it. Yeah. Let's, let's see if tomorrow your A+, plus can become 9 stroke and, and 9 underwater kick. Let's see how we can improve into that. I mean, that's their A+. And this is trying to uh, put them responsible in what they do. Because at the end, they're going to swim. Mm. They are going to swim. And uh, it's not it's not you. I mean, when I, when I was very young, I mean, still 15 years ago, the speech I could do with my athlete before the race... Oh my God, like, uh, no, no. You want to keep it shorter, make yeah. it simple, fun, and they know what they're going to go through. If they're nervous, you're going to feel it and you will bring them what they need to hear. But you can shorter that and respect their own moments. And you are going to learn when to step in, when to step out. I mean, that's yeah. the beauty of it. No, 100%, mate. Now, I like to always finish my chats with people with a little bit more... Um, I guess, less swimming talk and, and just some short, fast answers um, just to get to know you a little bit better from a way you mentioned before you love music. So um, what, what's your favourite sort of music to listen to? <laughs> uh, I would say reggae music. Oh. You know, um, <clears throat> I've got a swimmer of mine who, who – and, you know, gets quite anxious before races. And we've talked about this. He trains really well and swimming really fast, but before, right before, so warm up is still okay, but sort of before he goes. So we had a chill zone this, this, this year in nationals and we just had Bob Marley playing. We just sort of sat out the back and chilled and, and he's like, oh, just say, hey, don't talk, just let Bob, just let, let Bob do the work. And it, and it you know, it, it worked a little bit in the mornings and the nighttime we didn't quite still get over the hump of, you know, because Bob didn't go everywhere with him. Bob just we just stayed out the back with Bob Marley. But um, no, there's definitely a vibe about it, and definitely takes you to a, a more sort of relaxed and chill place. So I love it. Um, what's your sort of favorite movies to to watch? Wow, oh, it's a good question. It's very hard because I love movies. I love mm. movies. I would say, hmm. Uh, I, I, it's very hard to pick one <laughs> right now. That, that recently, I wanted to watch again uh, World, World War Z with Brad yeah. Pitt. If you, know, yeah, if yeah, you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I love that movie. movie. I watched watch it again. But I, I love the old school movie. I love the old school western. I love the old school like uh, black and white movie. You know, okay. so French, yeah. French, really, really old French movie. But uh, I love the Blues Brothers. That's my favorite yeah. like, uh, uh, music show, music movie. Uh, for those who haven't watching it, go. You're going to learn a lot about soul music. Frank James Brown, Ray yeah. Charles, Arita Franklin. This is a great, great, great movie. The Blues Brothers. I think uh, the Blues Brothers would be, and at the opposite of it, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Amadeus, the movie about Mozart. Uh, uh, yeah. done, done, done by Milos Forman in the 80s, I think. That's another good movie, but 
I mean, I have a lot. Could, we could speak about movies for a yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> You're looking at me like, you, you wanted me to keep this short. Don't ask me questions like this. <laughs> Talk for days. Um, just recently, Oppen, Oppenheimer, did you see that? Sorry? Oppenheimer, did you see that? Christopher Nolan movie? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I read uh, a lot about mm. it, but I don't. I didn't watch it. Uh, it was um, yet. I, I I know what is it about. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm a bit. I have to be in the mood to get yeah. in the, into a movie. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. feel I feel it's this kind of movie. So maybe I'm gonna read the book before. If you read yeah. a book about the movie, and then uh, maybe I will dive into the movie. I was the movie. Yeah. Oh, it was good. It was good. I I really enjoyed it. Um, my wife really enjoyed it too, which. Um, I didn't know whether she was going to, but she when if she really enjoys it, I think, oh well, it must have been. You know, sometimes I walk out and think, how good was that? She think, oh, that wasn't that great. So, no, um, it, it was really good. I recommend it. Um, what are some of your favorite quotes? Are you a quote? Are you a quote guy? Do you like to, you know, collect I'm quotes? A quote guy. I'm a quote guy. Now you give me one, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like blank. Uh, that I could that I could ask here for help. What is my kind of favorite quote? But I would say that uh, I don't know. Let me think about that because I have to translate in English. Uh, yes, I have a quote that I like a lot. Yeah, I, I I keep that with me all the time. It's in français we say c'est à la fin du bal qu'on paye les musiciens. This is at the end of the show that we pay the musician, which means like. The season is long. Whatever could happen to you, like be focused on your main target. Mm. You're gonna be critic. You're gonna receive critics. You're gonna have up and down. You're gonna you're gonna have this and that. But stay focused on your purpose initially, and you be let you will let people being judged or you be judged of what you can do when the show is done, mm. and you are the one calling the end of the show. So you know exactly what is your main goal this year as a coach. Yeah, I know exactly what are my goal with my athletes. So, and that will speak louder than anything else. So, that's a quote I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very nice. I was impressed in the, with the French. You know, just something about European accent <laughs> when people start talking in Europe. I just it just gets me every time. Um, mate, the last one I was going to go with is what's the best piece of advice you've been given? from a coach or, or from a mentor or what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Be yourself. Be yourself. Don't try to be someone else. Be yeah. yourself. That's the best piece of advice I had. I mean, sometimes I see too many coaches try to coach like someone else or to try to be like someone else or to try to, like I said earlier, we have to be aware and realize what are your strengths, what yeah. are your weakest points and play with your strengths. Um, um, I know my weakness. I know some of my strength, and I think that's where you should play on. And like, be yourself. That's, I would say that's the most important. But if you don't, if you don't know that, be yourself. Get to know yourself better. You know? No, I love it. It's good stuff, mate. I, I think um, a lot of the listeners are going to take a lot of things out of today, and. Um, I know you sometimes probably think you're like, oh, what do they take out of today? I was just talking, but you know, if you if you were really listening, and I, I was making some notes along the way, there were definitely some, I think, some gems along there. And if you were really paying attention and dialing in, so I want to thank you very much. As I said, you you know, you're sort of having a week away from swimming, but you're still jumping on here with me. Uh, you're just playing golf before, so um, I really appreciate it, mate, and um, appreciate you taking the time to jump on for a chat. 
Um, good luck over the next 11 months in the lead up to Paris 2024. I know it's an, it's an exciting time, but it's also a uh, time for work and dialing in and uh, at times can be stressful, but at the same time, we love what we do and that's what sort of makes it exciting. The, so The rendezvous is on the board. We have rendezvous with trials on May 13, day one, and I know exactly which one of my swimmers are going to swim what. Catherine Savard, 100 fly, 100 fly yeah. on that day and the day after, <laughs> we'll be married on the 200 free with Catherine and Loic as well, some of my other swimmers. Well, I mean, I know exactly, yeah. exactly uh, where... Uh, where, where the next key point and key stop to go. That's well, important. mate, as I said, good luck. Um, you know, we'll stay in touch. I'll, I'm excited to see how, how your athletes go and, and how the Canadian swim team go as well in Paris 2024. We'll definitely get you on. As I said, there's about five or six other questions I had here, but I wanted to save it for another chat as well because I want to have you back on. Um, if not, anything just to hear your French accent again because I'm just I'm a sucker <laughs> for accents, mate. Uh, but I'm thank sorry, you. For, I apologize for <laughs> no, don't apologize to anybody. I, I love it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. So, mate, thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation and I hope your listeners are going to enjoy that one. See you very, very soon. Cheers, mate. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to prosumeworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to prosumeworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.